This podcast contains explicit content and is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Don't say we didn't warn you. Hi, my name is Madison. And I'm Hannah. And you're listening to Who's Knocking? A true crime podcast. Yes, welcome back. This is, I believe this is episode 33. So clap on the hands for us. Oh, go us. We've made it to episode 33. Kind of a random number, but I think it's cool. Quite the milestone. Uh, Yeah. Today we are talking about Donald Harvey. Okay. I don't know. I've I, don't I never know him. I never heard about him until I stumbled across him. And it's pretty uh, uh, the only thing I will um I will mention is pretty high kill count. Whoa, okay. So yeah. Well, the only thing you told me is that there might be something medical, which I'm kind of scared of. Yes. Not it's... a huge fan of medical stuff. Yeah. And like, yeah, very grateful to be like a generally healthy person. I also do not. I'm also very weary of the medical landscape. I don't know. I hate. I, yeah, me too. I, I get doctors. so scared. Yeah. Yeah. Needles. Pretty, yeah. I'm both of us suffer from pretty severe needle phobia. I have yeah. actually gotten really good because I'm now in my third pregnancy and there's been like a million needles. Yeah, I think if you practice, it's true because here's the thing with the needle phobia is that it is mostly irrational. So once you do it a bunch of times and see like, okay, it's fine. It's probably not as scary. It's just like it the idea so much. Yeah, yeah. Literally the first time I had to draw blood, at, like when I first my God. Was pregnant, <laughs> I was like crying. Yeah, I'd lap, be crying. And I was like shocked. And you thought he'd leave you? I'm shocked he's still here to this day. But I guess he was like, I "Oh, I've impregnated this." Yeah. <laughs> <I have to laughs> um, but now, like, I just went and got a vaccine the other day, and it was, it was I didn't like it. Like, I don't yeah. look at it, and I get real. I get like That's really antsy and awkward, but um, it's better. And I think, and what I've wanted to do, although apparently you're not really supposed to do this within like a couple years after you've given birth and stuff, but I've wanted to like go donate blood in the interim oh time. My God, that's because so I terrifying. I know, but I think no, it's, it's good it, for it's good for people, and it's, it's actually even good for you too. I've heard, but to it's keep just it scary. up, yeah. Because I did actually, I did a round of cognitive behavioral therapy for my needle phobia when yeah. I was in high school, I and remember. um. It did, was Didn't not they helpful. make you? Yeah, and the, yeah, cognitive behavioral therapy. There's such limitations to it because phobias and like habits and beliefs live in the subconscious nervous system. So if you're like doing all just conscious talking, you're not getting to the actual like root of the fear of it. You're just uh, rationalizing it, which still can help. But I recall they made you carry around a fake needle and you brought it well, to school and showed it to me. <laughs> I was like, get that the fuck away. Well, they just like started introducing. I think it would have been really helpful if I had been prepared for it. And I think if there's I benefits to it, but it's ultimately uh, limited in my opinion. Yeah. In my well, non-doctor, non-qualified. To me, like going through my pregnancies was cognitive behavioral therapy. It just kept reintroducing it to me and like being like, I wasn't yeah. able to avoid it. The thing More, with cognitive yeah, behavioral yeah, yeah. therapy is you can be like, no. Um, and if you're not made to do it, then you don't have to do it. 
And if you don't have yeah. to do it, then you can continue to avoid it. And the problem is avoidance. Whereas, yeah, I haven't gotten a needle in quite a while. Yeah. Whereas like a lot of like, I could have, if I wanted, if I really wanted to, I could have opted out of all the blood tests. There's just one. Oh, really? One, I mean, you. what are they going to do? They can't like put a gun to your head and like. You well, it's good to know for if they're I ever testing get pregnant. You, yeah. Well, they're testing you to like make sure that everything's okay. But if you yeah. want to just go through it blindly, like that's your. Yeah. And call. if, and if you like, if you're in tune with your body and you, and the physical signs show that you are healthy, you technically don't need a blood test. But if you're like, I'm not sure, let me make sure then I get it. But I feel like yeah. if you, if you're I super mean, healthy, you know, you are, you'd want to be like, there's things that you want to test for because like it could harm your baby. If like something is going on and there might not be symptoms and stuff, but it's still, yeah. it still is technically your choice. There, there's one thing trying to justify for me not wanting it. Yeah. yeah. Like you can, <laughs> so you there's, <laughs> there's one thing though, that they have to test for. Um, it's like a, a blood. A, a yeah. The, of your yes, blood. You were telling me. And like, if I didn't get these extra blood transfusion type needles wow. and it like the baby would probably die. So somewhat necessary. Yeah. But those needles were actually the least bad because they do them in your butt. Mm, that's just as bad to me. Uh, well, it, <laughs> it's better. Is that worse? Is that better than your I had, arm? Yeah. I had two needles in the same day and the one in my arm was so much worse. You know what the worst is? Your hand. I think that's the worst. Oh, like an IV? Yes. That's the scariest to me because it's just like, well, it's the worst because it stays there. Yeah, it's there. I I don't want that there. No, (laughs) I don't like that. Yeah. So do we have any question of the day type situations? Okay. I've been wanting to ask you, what is your favorite true crime documentary? Because I haven't watched any in a while. And also fun fact, we used to just sit around all day. It's not that fun of a fact, but we literally used to sit around all day. And <laughs> this is just an extremely watch. fun fact. <laughs> we just watch murder documentaries, but no, there's, there are so many like Netflix. I feel like the, yeah. been pumping, pumping, pumping out documentaries and like mini series and stuff. And I, my favorite form of documentary is like a mini series, like a four episode yeah, that is a good way to watch it because because then it can take be breaks. It can be super long and detailed, but also but you it's like, don't have to watch it all at once. So it's yeah, and also yeah. like you know, there's it doesn't have to be like a five season series or whatever. Like it can just be like four mini documentaries. Yeah, that is a really good way to do it. You're right. Yeah. Um. My or at least I don't know. Okay. My I've probably watched like a thousand in my life, so I don't know like what my very favorite is. But um, don't fuck with cats. Oh, okay. Really, really good. Luca Magnata. I know the story, but I have not seen it. Um, the staircase was a pretty old the one. The staircase is good. I think we watched that. we watched it together, I think six parts. I remember. But I think I don't I did it did Netflix do like they did some like additional ones um, episodes later. Yeah, like it's 10 yeah. episodes. I yeah. think there was like six back in the day. There was six, and then yeah. there was like an update where they added. Did they a say couple? if it was an owl? I think they presented that theory, but that? yeah, they're like, you know, came in. Yeah. Um, Some people believe that. Oh, like, I don't know if it's true or not, but it just seems. I mean, it's possible. It's so unlikely. But I highly don't believe that. That's not how you say that, but it's, yeah. I don't. Um, Wild Wild Country. Oh, I don't know that one. was really good, which was about this cult. You would really like it, actually. Yeah, you I should do watch like- that. 
um it's like this thing this like um I don't know where he was from but he was like this like guru guy um oh he's Mm -hmm. from India and then his cult took place in Oregon and it's it it was so messed up that that documentary was really really good okay I think I know the person it's about the Bhagwan didn't he did he drive like a bunch of really expensive cars was he that guy I don't remember, but it's possible. Um, another one that was so good, I watched it twice, um, was The Keepers. Did you ever hear about that know. one? I don't think so. That is about, and it's very disturbing, but that one is about um, this nun who was killed um, and then, like going through her the investigation of her murder. They just unraveled like all this sexual abuse and crap that happened shocking sexual abuse and (laughs) didn't see that coming but also her murder seemed to be like it was just the way it came out was really crazy and the investigation is very interesting and it does sound very interesting yeah she was like a very beloved woman and like a really nice you mostly hear about these old catholic schools and all these nuns were like horrible yes i have heard but she sounded like a lovely woman um yeah. that one and the 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 way they made it it was just it was really well done um those would be my like netflix suggestions but i'm always very open to taking suggestions if anybody has suggestions really yeah really let us know um but there's so many there's just like an unlimited amount of amazing true crime documentaries out yeah there. there's a lot more now you're right yeah i was just go- scrolling through netflix and like there's tons and yeah, good we, we don't fuck with cats was now. really good and don't fuck with cats for everybody else who has watched um what's it called what have i been talking about that other documentary the tinder swindler oh yes it's yes. the same people who made the tinder swindler that made don't fuck with cats okay and that one was really good too luca magnata was i mean up. that's a crazy story so i, I want to do like... that one I, I think that'd be a good one for us to do you should it's very interesting i think yeah and i i know and about local him. To us. yeah that's true uh scarborough there's definitely something in the water there because and Mon- like he's like in montreal yes yes i live there but yeah he definitely um everything I know about him is really interesting like in a bad way yeah <laughs> really fucked up but I don't know yeah. a lot of details, so I would be very interested to know that. And I think the documentary like did not it delved into his childhood a little bit, but yeah, I don't I'd, really know about his childhood. I'd and I would want really to know like more. To. I'd want to know yeah. more. Anyway, so I think that's. I think we've rambled on for a while. Maybe we get into it. Sure. So, um, Donald Harvey, I'm going to rate this. It's hard to okay. rate. I mean, it's, it's hard to rate this one because it's a lot of victims but oh. i don't know i'm just like not scared of him okay like it even really- though he did medical stuff <laughs> e- i'm gonna go with a six but i don't okay. I, mean, I feel like the number of people that he murdered should put it at, like higher but i don't know that's what's just what i'm gonna say okay um, you can argue with me later maybe okay <laughs> okay so donald Harvey was born on April 15th, 1952 in Butler County, Ohio. He was the oldest of three children. 
And shortly after his birth, the family moved to Boonville, Kentucky, which is a rural community in the Appalachian chain. And Donald's parents were Ray and Goldie Harvey. I really like the name Goldie for like a lady, but it way. is a really nice name. You're right. It's like cool. I kind of want to name my next dog that. Yeah, it's cool. I kind of like that is a, a really good name. I have a baby I've yet to name. So. <laughs> oh, are you going to take that name? <laughs> Maybe you can have it too. Okay, okay. I don't know. I feel like Chris would hate that name, but I kind of like it. Like Goldie like Hawn. too. Yeah, it's a good name. Um, so the family were practicing Baptists. Didn't seem like they were like crazy Baptists or okay. anything. They were just that's what they were. And maybe everybody was, I feel like, in that time and place. Yeah, for sure. Or most. Like, it was it, it was way more weird to like not be yeah. religious or whatever. Um, Donald apparently was a good looking kid who was well behaved. He was happy and sociable. He appeared to be at least. He was kind of a loner. He did have some friends, but he was uh, he was he was definitely like a loner and kind of like an awkward, weird guy. Okay. He was popular with teachers and did very well in school. He was very bright, but he did grow bored of his studies. I think he was one of those kids that was like probably like too bright and okay, um, whatever. Um, so he did drop out of high school before he finished. He later did get his GED by the time he was 16 years old. Now, to most people, Donald appeared to be a pretty normal kid, maybe a bit introverted, but with above average intelligence. But um, and this is kind of a side note. I don't you know, these were not proven to have um, affected anything. But Donald did appear to have suffered from two pretty major head traumas as a child. Oh, once at age six months. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's important. it's relevant, but there's yeah. something that's more relevant. But but yeah. Oh, um, OK. <laughs> his father had fallen asleep while holding him and dropped him on his head, which Ooh. is why it is so dangerous to to fall asleep with a baby on you. That seems very dangerous. Yeah. You really should not do that. Babies are so fragile. And their heads are so mushy. Um, and the second incident happened at age five, where Donald fell off of a running board of a truck and hit his head, which I don't know what a running board is. I assume it's just like the back of a truck. Yeah. Ooh, that seems really bad as well. Yeah. And it produced a five inch long gash on the back of his head, but he never did lose consciousness. So there's that. That's good. Those are just two random facts that are, I guess, relevant. You know, I I think any head injury you kind of want to state. Another factor to consider was that Donald's parents apparently had a pretty tense relationship that may have bordered on abusive. It's kind of unclear, but not to him, but to each other. Interesting. Okay. Goldie did claim that Donald grew up in a loving home. Um, I suppose this is kind of like a he said, she said, plausible, but unconfirmed. Yeah, that's hard to say. But the part of Donald's childhood that was by far the worst and undoubtedly a very large piece of this puzzle is that from about age four on, Donald was sexually abused on a continual basis by his mother's half-brother, Wayne. Oh, that's who, so fucked up. Who was only nine years older than Donald. Wow. So at age four, this kid would have been 13. Oh. So, yeah, that's pretty messed up. That's, yeah. And especially, you know, when you start, when it's something like that starts at age four, like. Yeah, you can't really talk about it, right? Like, you probably don't have the ability to, like, really talk about it. No, and yeah, you're, like, totally groomed and tricked into thinking that it's a normal thing. Yes, yes. It's so easy to trick kids. Like, I have, Isla just turned four. So, like, the four-year-old mindset, like, I can't even think about. You could tell her anything and she'd just believe it, basically, at that age. Absolutely, yeah. 
especially but. if it comes from like an authoritative figure figure or like somebody yeah, especially like, older somebody that they think is cool like yeah um so wayne would force donald to perform oral sex on him and use oh. donald to masturbate um, about a year after things started with Wayne, a neighbor of his also began abusing young Donald. That's crazy how that happens. It so seems then like that happens five. a lot. Yeah. And I mean, this cousin, or what is it? He's it's his mother's half brother. What is that? It's like your half uncle kind yeah, of. Yeah, uncle. That like, it's, it's, I don't understand how. Like, if it was just random that the neighbor was going to start abusing him, too, or, like, if they were friends. That's or, what I mean. Oh, yeah. If they were like, friends, it kind of makes sense. But if it was random, and I do feel like I hear about that a lot. Yeah. It's, like, maybe he, he was, like, super vulnerable. Like, maybe his parents didn't pay attention to him. Right. I don't know. Right. Or there maybe it's within the culture. Like, sometimes it's kind of that. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's fucked up. I know. But, um, yeah, so... This went on for a very long time. Wayne would abuse Donald whenever he was at their grandmother's house. And he and Donald, uh, he had Donald convinced that this was just something that boys did together. And the neighbor told Donald that if he ever told anyone, he would shoot Donald's parents. And then Donald would end up in an orphanage. Wow. So that's how he kept, they both, they both had their own ways of keeping Donald quiet at a young age. Yeah. But by the time Donald got old enough and strong enough to say no or fend off these two men, he chose instead, and this is kind of interesting, he chose instead to manipulate and extort both of them, oh. mostly for money. And in this way, he was able to kind of seek revenge on his abusers and maintain control over them. I well, was not expecting that. And then, like, I guess, I don't know if you would say that, like, it started to turn into a consensual thing, but, like, he, you know, still was involved sexually with them. but like made them pay him basically weird so that's like super interesting because like there's different ways that i think people like once they get to the point especially when you start from a young age like you take Catherine knight for example like once she figured out that she could just like punch them or like hurt them yeah and it stopped or whatever when he got to that point where he could where he figured out like oh what's wrong that they're doing this to me and could have done something back he was like yeah well pay me bitch honestly good for him so i mean it's a choice yeah i mean i feel like in most cases and i feel like i probably would just like want to escape those people yeah like, i don't think i'd have the like skill to be like you know what you can pay me for that yeah it's it's, it's, it's like I've, i have not heard of somebody going that route yeah, me uh, neither. I find it very interesting. How old was he when that happened? Um, I don't know at what age, but I have to imagine it was like in his teens. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so so Donald's uncle Wayne had two marriages. His okay. first wife, Donald didn't really remember much, but the second one uh, was beaten pretty badly by Wayne, Donald recalls. Oh. And Donald would often join the two of them in a threesome with the couple really and, yes because it seems okay so apparently having a donald yeah. be present was the only way that wayne could quote get it up okay so it's clear to me that wh what i get from this is that his uncle wayne was like a closeted homosexual yeah yeah in an environment where you where that was not something that people were took kindly to yeah fair which is why probably he was sexually abusing this boy be in private because he wanted to keep that to himself or whatever. Um, 
And then he would like bring Donald into his relationships with women so that he could have sexual relationships with women. I wonder if it was like obvious to the women. <laughs> like he yeah. was probably not really paying attention to them. And yeah. Well, and then like, also okay. he was like beating them. So it just like, Ooh. it's just a really messed up. I don't even know. I like, feel like he was abused. Like this is. Well, I'm sure I'm most people who abuse people were abused themselves. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's all pretty cyclical. I have That's to true. assume it's not just, doesn't just come out of nowhere. Right. It kind of sounds I mean, like he hates women. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's, it sounds like he's a, a repressed gay man who uh, like probably hates himself because he doesn't want to be gay, but he is gay. He can't help that. Right. And takes it on other people. That's a pretty classic situation, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I'm just assuming that Appalachia in the 60s and 70s was like not very gay friendly. Yeah. In fact, I, I know it, could be it was safe not. To assume that. Yeah. yeah. It's like a Baptist community. They don't, they didn't yeah. like, I don't know. If I, I don't know how accepting yeah. they are now, but it was, was not at the time. Anyway, Donald also later admitted to two events in his childhood where he killed animals. Wow. Okay. Um, one was a baby bird or a chicken whom he claims to have mercy killed. Um, Stop. His mother told him that the ba- the bird would not survive and to give it back to its mother. Um, but believing the mother would peck the baby to death, Donald decided to take matters into his own hands. And he says he killed it with a hoe. So I assume he just like chopped its head off or something. Mm-hmm. And the second instance was at age 15 or 16 when he took the neighbor. And I don't know if this was the same neighbor who was abusing him. I kind of feel like it was. Okay. Um, he took the neighbor's two cows out into the woods and slit their necks. Oh, don't take it out on the cows. The cows did nothing. Yes. Now, it, uh, his motivation for the killing the cows, he says, was financial loss to the neighbors, which is, I think, him getting back at the neighbor for sexually abusing him. Um, yeah, I mean. Also... <laughs> It's, I think it's important to remember that Donald grew up on a farm. So like to him, killing animals is not the same as like yeah, Jeffrey yeah, Dahmer, yeah. like finding things and like looking in their whatever, yeah, like that's it's true. more a part of life. Yeah. But again, I thought I should include those. Um, at age 16, Donald had his first consensual sexual encounter with okay. a man and okay. got involved in an off again, on again relationship the man's name was James Palso, Paluso, and it lasted for about 15 years on and off. Okay. Um, spoiler alert, James Palso dies. Oh. Because Donald kills him. I After really that know. long? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know much about that specific death, but I know like wow. that's how that does end. So Donald does grow up to be gay, interestingly. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, because I I mean, I'm under the impression that like being gay is like a pretty innate thing. Like your sexual identity is just like what happened. So it's like either coincidence that he just turned out to be gay also. Yeah, yeah. I think that like everybody's on a spectrum of it. And I think that like sometimes like you are like closer to one end where it's like chances are you're going to be gay or straight but sometimes you're kind of in the middle and then your early sexual experiences can shape it too. Well, yeah. Cause you have like, he had, first of all, very early sexual experiences. Yeah. It affects the way your brain develops. Yeah. You that's, it's just like an interesting, 
I don't know. I don't, yeah, it's not my area of expertise. So I don't know, but no, me neither. And I don't think there's like an exact science to this kind of thing. Like, I feel yeah. like there's patterns, but there's going to be exceptions, but it's interesting too. Cause it's like, if he had been abused by like his aunt, would he still have turned out to be gay? Like, it's like, obviously we can't know, but yeah, well, that's a, an interesting question that I don't have the, excuse me, answer to. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Um, Donald left high school and he decided to move to Cincinnati, Ohio, and he got a job at a factory. He claimed the move was out of boredom, but I do also think it's possible it was to either or both escape his sexual abusers who are both still around and in his life. Fair. Also, he was a gay man. I'm sure it's not easy where he was. I think Cincinnati, Ohio was like, I don't know if it was much better, but it was like, that's a bigger place than the rural town he was living in. I think it's nice to get away. Yeah. Um, And there's clearly a lot for him to run from where he is. True. Now, eventually, Donald was laid off from his job at the factory. Um, I think he laid off a bunch of people. And his mother asked him to come home to be with his alien grandfather who was at the hospital. Okay. And Donald obliged as he didn't have anything else to do because he didn't have a job. He started spending a lot of time at Marymount Hospital, which was a Catholic institution in London, Kentucky, which was not far from Boonville. And he started getting really close with the administration staff and the nurses who were all nuns. And they all really liked him. They thought he was like a super cool guy. Soon, one of the nuns offered him a job at the hospital as an orderly. And Donald took her up on his offer, on her offer. Um, He had no previous medical training. it, his duties included cleaning up patients, changing sheets, bedpans, moving patients around within the hospital, dispensing medications, inserting catheters, stuff like that. Okay. So I don't know. That sounds like a pretty shitty job to me. It's like, seems like a step below nurse kind of thing. Well, um, I just feel like knowing that he's a murderer, it scares me that he is like doing stuff like that. Yeah. Like I wouldn't really want him doing that. Yeah. Know. Well, yeah. Because it's he, a lot of it's a lot of control and power that he has. Yep. And those are uh, valid concerns, as we will see. Okay. In May of 1970, Donald was 18 years old, and he had been working at Marymount for only a few weeks. He was doing really well, but things were pretty uneventful. Donald had been called to reinsert an IV for an 88-year-old stroke okay. patient named Logan Evans. When Donald went in, he lifted the sheet to get the IV to reveal Logan had a handful of feces and he smeared it all over Donald's face. Claims Donald. Wow. Well, yeah. Hard to, I don't know if I believe anything he says, really. Yes. But... And we'll see, we'll see later, like when they, when he gets apprehended. One thing I will say about his claims is like he can, he made a very, lengthy confession to a lot of things and every single thing that they were able to look into that he said checked out interesting so he appeared to be very honest in the end god it's so but, hard to know but the, you cannot know that he actually there's, there's no physical evidence of like the feces in the hand right yeah why would he do that well there's a lot of reasons like especially if you're 88 years old, I don't know if this man had dementia in the hospital. Like, okay. Okay. Got it. You think are, he like, wasn't in his it's right It's very mind. possible that he, yeah, could have been, uh, not of a sound mind for 
either dementia reasons, medication reasons. Yeah. And, you know, many okay. Reasons. Okay. Um, so it's not the most crazy thing. Yes. But it yes. also I just could- don't get why like logically you would, but for for the that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so apparently this incident enraged Donald and he retaliated. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's really annoying. I wouldn't like it either, but also Donald takes it too far. Yeah. Because he retaliated by smothering Logan to death with a pillow wrapped in that's blue plastic sheeting. Definitely not. Yeah. That's it's not where I good. would have taken it. No. Um, and apparently he claims that he used a stethoscope to listen to Logan's fading heartbeat as he was smothering him to death. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he did. Um, once Donald was sure that Logan was dead, he cleaned him up, gave him a new hospital gown and told the other staff that he died suddenly and nobody suspected anything. The first yeah, murder. It's, it's so easy to get away with that kind of thing because it's yes, that old person in a hospital. Like, of course they died. And that's I think this the like most disturbing thing about this whole case is just like, yeah. How easy there are it was there are quite a few cases things. like this, and and the person who actually has the highest known uh, murder count or whatever was a doctor because yeah. he could Harold just Chipman in the yeah UK. it's so it's so easy to get away with murdering people in the hospital because it's like they're already sick oh okay and you're Harold not gonna be surprised Chipman, they die Harold Chipman I learned a little bit about him too he would he would actually take house calls and go to people's homes just to murder them while That's he was so there. He would find their will and like leave himself money. Yeah, that I mean, that's kind of like I feel like in a way it's kind of like evil, like genius. But also, it's like you're gonna get caught if you're on the will of every person who dies. Yeah. Well, that's how he got caught. But it took. Is that how he got caught? I don't know if he. I don't know if he did it to everyone. I just know that that's how he got caught. Yeah. I just learned a little bit about him through this, but. Anyway, but that is like it's so easy to get away with. It's harder nowadays because I think they've caught they've like caught on to these. Oh, they but, realize like, this happens. That's especially good, especially in this yeah. time. Um, yeah, yeah. So the first murder appeared to have been kind of a spur of the moment murder of opportunity, not super premeditated. Yeah, but I'm gonna go ahead and guess that this was done out of rage. Yeah, I think it taught Donald a very important and very unfortunate lesson was that of a very vulnerable hospital patient was very easy to kill and get away with as we were just saying yeah it was the next day that donald claimed that he accidentally inserted the wrong size catheter into a man named james tyree james that seems so painful yeah i is i yeah apparently james screamed but donald restrained him with the heel of his hands until he vomited blood and died wow i yeah, that's really terrifying. Within the next two weeks, he disconnected the oxygen tank of an elderly woman named Elizabeth Wyatt. He claimed that she told him that she wanted to die to relieve her suffering. Well, they always say that. And this was the first of his, quote, mercy killings. Yeah, I'm which sure. Which he would kind of... Honestly, I already brother. hated hospitals before this just, just because they scared me because stuff like this can happen there. Well, and what I take from this is like you when you go to the hospital, you want to be somebody who's like strongly advocating for yourself, being fully aware of what's going on. But it's so easy to you. not be aware. Yeah, have other people with you. Yeah, it's like you. I've I, gotten advice from doctors before that was like bad medical advice that led to worse things for me. So to me, it's like even the even the like good doctors can really fuck you up, let alone the people who just like don't care or 
actually want to hurt you. Yeah. And it's like, and also like our healthcare system specifically in Canada, like it's, it's like decent or whatever, but like it's stretched very thin and there's, and I know people who've been in hospitals for a lot of reasons and like who've seen mistakes and like misdiagnoses and everything. I grew up, my dad is a, is a respiratory therapist or like was like as part of his job or whatever. So he was always like very aware, like whenever somebody is in the hospital, he's like, this is how they should be doing it and blah, blah, blah. And he gets himself involved so that people know that like, you can't like, you can't fuck around with these people because somebody here knows how this all works. That's good. Like having somebody who can advocate for you, who is aware of the system and how it works and like has like comes in being like, there is a standard that you need to uphold here is a very helpful thing. Yes. So my advice to people is if, if you ever end up in the hospital, find somebody, you know, if you can, who had, who like, maybe, you know, somebody who's a nurse or a doctor or whatever works in a hospital for whatever capacity and like use them to be like, can't fuck with me, please. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Because shit happens, especially in a system where people are very overworked. Oh my God. Anyway, um, Donald's next victim was Eugene McQueen who had breathing problems. Now Donald just simply flipped Eugene onto his stomach so that he slowly drowned in his own fluids. How frequently is he doing this? Well, I, I will tell you in a couple of paragraphs because it's very frequent. Wow. Then not long after that, there was an incident with a patient named Ben Gilbert. Ben was apparently disoriented and not entirely sh- we're not entirely sure why. Donald had come to catheterize Ben, and Ben thought that Donald was a burglar for whatever reason. This sounds like a medication or a dementia type thing. Okay. Donald says that Ben knocked him out with a metal urinal. Um, when Donald came to his senses, he was very angry and that like he stewed in his rage. And that evening he decided to murder Ben. He went back into Ben's room. He inserted a catheter that was much too large. Oh then, my God. And then, sorry, this is very upsetting, especially if you have a penis. Um, <laughs> Then he inserted an unbent coat hanger, which punctured oh, Ben's bladder and intestines. And that started internal bleeding, which led Ben to go into shock and then into a coma. I mean, that's one of the worst things that can happen to you. That is brutal. Yeah. And once Ben was out, Donald removed the hanger and the catheter. He put in a catheter of the correct size. Oh, he's so creepy. And then he left, came back later and said that he found Ben Gilbert in that state. And nobody thought anything of it. Wow. Less than one year after Donald committed the first murder, he had already killed 15 people. Yeah, that's a lot. Take that in. 15 in less than a year. And were they all men? Nope. No, they're men and women. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was mixed. They were pretty much all old. Yeah. Older. Those are the easiest to murder. That like in most of these cases, it's people who are older. People who are older and people who don't have like tons of family around. Of course. They know exactly. So which is why it's so important to have people there advocating for you. Yeah. And why, like, if you know somebody who's in the hospital who's by themselves, you should go advocate for them. Oh my God. I can't think of anything scarier. Just be like, hey, like I'm a person who knows this person in their life. Like, yeah. Are things going okay in here? You know? Yes. 
Um, all 15 of these people were at the most vulnerable points in their lives. They had put their trust into the facility and its employees to care for them in their time of need. Donald saw their vulnerability and took it upon himself to choose to end their lives. And in some of them, most of them in very brutal ways. And you think rage is what's motivating him? I think, and we'll get into a lot of them, like what, you know, that kind of stuff at the end. But I think that the first one was a rage thing was that like he, you know, had all these like bad things happen to him and like, yeah, he, you know, he's fighting his sexual Suppressed, sexuality yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And then he kills somebody in a rage, liked that he did that, realized how easy it was to do. And, you know, he's he's it's like an at, outlet like, for him now. Basically, he's like working at the bottom of the food chain in that okay. place. He's a pretty intelligent person. It probably believes himself yeah. to be a much more, like more intelligent person, or, or like feels that he should be a, in a much higher position of power. That's interesting. And murdering these people makes him feel powerful. Wow, that's like a very surface level guess, but we'll go on and maybe we'll find some more um, things, and we can see if that's if I still feel that way at the end of this. Donald would later note how easy it was to get away with these murders undetected since he was constantly working in the same ward at the same shifts and with the same people. Had he been rotated around more randomly, somebody may have been able to note an unusual amount of death seemed to follow Donald around, but nobody (laughs) suspected anything. And like, this is, um, he, Donald was a smart guy and he paid attention. He got in, he was very friendly with the administrative people. Everyone thought he was a really nice guy. He was really good at being like a friendly person and getting along with everybody. So there was no, there was no, like there was no odd behavior. There was nothing that like made him seem like a weird guy. Yeah. Um, And he studied very meticulously the procedures and how everything worked and how scheduling worked and interesting how intelligent he is. Yeah. And I don't know. I remember like with Gary Heidnick, it was like, he had a very specific IQ. I don't know what his was or, right. But it was just clear that he, he came off. He must've come off as like, you know, a high school dropout. He's got a GED. He's working like a really low skill job, whatever, but like, he's, he's not dumb. It's just interesting too, because obviously he's like, he's not one of these people that are, mentally disturbed in the sense that they can't properly function in society he is smart enough to blend in and he's smart enough to know better and that's just what makes it pretty scary to be honest yeah um and you'll see some interviews with him at the end because he does seem like a pretty disturbed person okay okay um but clearly like so I it guess was it's... kind of obvious but he he no, wasn't but I like think, i think he's you're able to hide that like he, yeah, it's, yeah, he yeah. seems like a very disturbed person knowing what he did yeah. If he like, and you'll see when in the interview that I mean, I Gary Heidnick too, last week, he's kind of like that too. Right. Yeah. Although like Gary Heidnick was like, cause didn't know, he make he a lot of money like, and all this, yeah, but he also seemed to be like dirty and weird. I don't know. It's, it's hard to know because like I, the, the, the only interview I saw with Gary, um, he seemed like totally deranged and out of it and whatever. Oh, I want to um, see that. And it's like really, it's pieced. It's like a bunch of little clips pieced together. Yeah, it's so an old case, right? Like there's not going to be that much about it. Yeah. And this one, like, um, it's an interview with John Douglas, my main man. Oh, and, shout out. Um, like, 
this guy, Donald, like he really has himself together. Like he's a very, he speaks like a normal person. He tries to come across as like a nice guy. Oh, how creepy. And he's got like, he's like a really, he's like speaks like kind of a gay man. I don't, sorry. I don't know if that's a, an offensive thing to say, but like he comes off, like if you don't know what he did, he sounds like a just friendly Southern man. Uh, did John Douglas talk about like his sex life during it? It's like, just so you know, me and my wife were just having sex. And now I'm here to do this interview. (laughs) Well, he did this show um, where he like interviewed some people, some serial killers and stuff. And like, Uh it's, it's mostly him interviewing it. So he doesn't really get into much about himself, but like, it is like, it's very classic, like mid two thousands. Like then there's like shots of him, like in the prison being like, Donald Harvey said that this and this and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, it's really dated. I like those ones. Yeah, I, me too. I don't like the dramatized ones. I need it to be the footage of actually what happened. Otherwise, like, don't put it in. But some, some of them have gotten a lot better at at the like re recreations. Oh yeah. Errol Morris fucking kills the recreation. Yeah, I could see him being good at it. I think of the documentaries I saw, like, back in the day yeah it's no uh it's no like forensic files yes yeah so donald continued giving people faulty oxygen tanks or just oh my god uh did i say that yeah yeah. um yeah he would give them faulty oxygen oxygen tanks or he would just lower the levels so that they basically slowly suffocated that's terrifying that's such quietly alone in their room such a painful way to die and just and so sad, especially if you don't know what's going on. It's and you're so just, oh, sad. Oh. And for him, it's so sadistic because he's like doing all these different methods that painfully end people's lives. And, and sometimes it's, it's not even like he's there to smother them and kill them. He's like, bye, you're going to die alone now. And it's such a like narcissistic God complex thing to do because, oh. you know, like there's all these people that he is killing, but he's also going to other people's rooms and being like, I no, didn't kill you. You get yeah. to live today. Like, yeah, because that's fucked up. He gets to choose who lives and who dies. Okay, we need to screen who's in hospitals. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So scary that this it's happened. All these people who are put in charge of like the most vulnerable populations, and yeah, just like your old grandma who goes there to. I'm like a lot of these people. I'm sure a lot of these people would have died anyway, but I'm and not anyway. Like I'm sure a lot of these people were, you know, went into the hospital and weren't probably weren't going to come out but it's not up to some random guy to decide that that's yeah and then like and some of these people too right and some of these people would not have died definitely yeah um one day he decided to murder a woman named viola reed wyan a leukemia patient because he said she smelled bad He was suffocating her with a pillow wrapped in plastic like he had Logan Evans, but somebody came into the room while he was doing it. Oh, shit. He stopped and pretended that he was not in the middle of trying to murdering a patient, trying to murder a patient. And I don't wish he hadn't noticed they came in. Yeah. And uh, that person just didn't notice, didn't didn't realize what was happening. Yeah. And later that evening, Donald went back, hooked her up to a faulty oxygen tank and just waited for her to die. So fucked up. Donald committed a number of other murders with faulty oxygen tanks, and then he moved on to painkillers. Margaret Harrison was killed with an overdose of Demerol, which is a synthetic opioid. 
morphine and codeine, which I are also opioids, I believe. I mean, that sounds like a way better way to die than some of the other things he's done. Like not, yeah, it's all not, bad, but it's all bad, but being high on morphine. Powerful. I've heard, I've heard people who get high on morphine once it's like all they can think about. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was scary. I think it's just like very highly addictive. Yeah. But it probably feels like, you know, good. I don't know. Yeah. Milton Bryant Sasser was also killed with an overdose of morphine. Over that same year, Donald's began a secret relationship with a man named Vernon Midden. Midden was a married man with children and he was an undertaker. Donald started learning from him about how dead bodies present after uh after the person has died based okay. on how they died. So he's starting to to like get more into it and like learn things. Vernon taught Donald a lot of useful information that would help him hide the physical evidence of his murders from corners, specifically evidence of asphyxiation. By the end of March of 1971, this is like a year into it, Donald decided to leave his job at Marymount Hospital. He also tried to commit suicide. He did this by setting fire to an empty bathroom in the apartment building that he lived in, and he tried to die by asphyxiation. The suicide attempt was unsuccessful, obviously, and Donald was subsequently arrested for the destruction of property and charged a fine of $50. Okay. Not long after that incident, Donald was arrested for burglary. During his interrogation- Wait, that, burglary of like a bank or a store or what? Or a I house? Don't, I don't know. I think it was like a house or something. Okay, okay. But during his interrogation, he just straight up told the officers that he was responsible for killing 15 people at Marymount Hospital. Oh, interesting. So he wanted to get caught? Yes. The officers took these claims See, seriously. I feel, sorry to cut you off. I feel like that is a sign of somebody who is kind of socially intelligent because he probably is like, fuck, there's something so wrong with me. I don't want to be like this, but I can't control it. Like that yes. kind of. Yeah. And this is like, this is it. That's exactly my read on this whole situation. He leaves the hospital. He's like, okay, I've murdered 15 people. Like this is getting out of hand. I don't want to do this, but like, I love it so much. That's crazy. He leaves. He tries to kill himself. Can't, doesn't work. So I'm sure that this burglary, he didn't really care about. He just wanted to get arrested. So that yeah, because that's it's not in his history to commit a crime like that. Exactly. The officers took the claim seriously and they started looking into it, but they found no evidence for the crimes. Nobody at the hospital believed Donald was telling the truth. That's so annoying. So Donald ended up pleading guilty to petty theft and again paid a small fine and was let go. Wow. And this has this is a something that like there was an there was a woman here who was killing people at uh, long term care at long term care facilities and she oh my like, god she admitted things to a number of people and nobody did anything about it. Do you think people just don't believe them? Uh, one of them was like a uh, somebody at a church, like a pastor or something. There's there's like a confidentiality thing, which I I feel like you're allowed to tell if you're somebody yeah. killing people. I think I think we can break the rule for that. Yeah, and then I think some of it was people who just didn't believe because she was, like, a friendly lady. But it's just that, like, who would say they murdered people and not, like, why would you say that? A shocking amount of people do that. People say, hey, I murdered someone. A lot of people falsely confess to crime. Really? Yeah. Why? Why would you do that? How could that possibly, like... strange phenomenon. Yeah. A lot of people suffer from 
weird mental health. I mean, you must have some, I'm sorry, but you must have some type of like, there's a lot of attention seeking people. There's a lot of people who are not a good way to get attention. No, but it's like, that's confuses a lot of cases. A lot of like very high profile cases, oh, like the amount oh, of yes, people yes. who've confessed to killing John Benet Ramsey. No, that is that's different though. Somebody who's at a hospital and it's like not like a publicized case that would get them. You know what I mean? Like people say that about famous cases because they want to like join the like you know. No, but people can people confess to a lot. Like it happens, and like you can get false confessions by like crazy. Do, you know, you, we all know these people who are who confess to things because they have you know deficiencies or lower IQs or whatever. And yeah. But if it's like somebody at the hospital who's, you know, working there, it's kind of like, maybe we should look into this. They did. Yeah. But like, they, maybe we they should, looked yeah, into it. I guess. They, yeah. They, it seems no, but it's like also like, like, how could you find thorough. evidence of that? How could you exactly. find evidence of that? That's the, that's the whole point. They couldn't oh, find evidence. Annoying. So like, that's literally, so annoying. Literally, like, it doesn't even seem like they were like, yeah, whatever. Like they went to the hospital, they spoke yeah. to people, they looked into that, they looked for evidence. And I think I, I have to kind of believe that Donald, like maybe kind of wanted to like he backtracked or like he was like okay well if i get caught then i'll get caught but like maybe didn't he wasn't like okay i killed this person at this time like i think it's very possible that he was like more wishy-washy about wanting to get caught like you know if you really want to kill yourself you could probably figure it out right right no but it sounds like the people that he did confess to did try did look into it and like came to the conclusion that it, he was just being a weird guy. He, yeah, like, and, definitely and he was, a weird guy. And it probably, like, I'm, maybe they found out that he had, like, recently tried to commit suicide and thought that, like, you know, if you're suicidal, it's not crazy that you're going and trying to confess to crimes and, like, you yes. just be, like, this yeah. guy has some mental problems and I don't know. I don't know. Oh, okay. But that whole series of events just, like. It's crazy when people almost get caught. Yeah so crazy like and there's so many instances of it yeah so around this time as well donald had his first and only heterosexual encounter with a woman named ruth ann hodges nine months after that encounter ruth gave birth to a son and really one encounter one encounter it's like wow you didn't know how the how like the female like how sex with a woman is like you you know it's like don't don't shoot in there, man. Anyway, um, so she gave birth to a son and she claimed that Donald was a father. And over the years, Donald has flipped back and forth, stating that he is or is not the father. It remains unclear. Interesting. In June of 1971, Donald enlisted in the Air Force, the U.S. Air Force, where mm-hmm. there, another Air Force guy. I know all of them. Yeah. No, not all, but most. <laughs> Um, Donald killed no one, he says. He felt that the environment was far too regimented and that he would be caught for sure if he tried to kill somebody. Yeah, of Unlike course. the hospital. Yeah. Um, he had a relationship with a man See, he, there. He is in control of his actions a little bit. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. He's fucked in the head, but like he knows what he's doing. He's in control enough to, yeah, to be able to not. And yeah, exactly. He had a relationship with a man while there and he said that he would have liked to kill him. Don't know why, but and he was in a relationship with him. Yeah, he he loves to kill the people. These well, we'll get there. I hate that. His stint in the Air Force was short lived as he attempted to kill himself again, this time by overdosing hmm. on NyQuil. And after that incident, 
how much NyQuil do you have to have? Because that's like I don't know. It just sounds like a not. Drink like a, you can drink like a cup of way. NyQuil. Yeah, like how much NyQuil was he drinking? I don't know. But after that incident, the military began looking into his past, found out about his previous charges and statements about having killed 15 people in the hospital. Maybe they should have looked into that when he joined. Yeah. And the Air Force was like, nah, I don't think we want this guy here. (laughs) They gave him a general discharge in March of 1972. After coming home and continuing to suffer from depression, he made another suicide attempt by overdosing on Placodil, which is a sedative. And Equinil, which is the tranquilizer, and he was taken to the hospital where his stomach was pumped and he survived yet again. After this last suicide attempt, Donald was sent to a psychiatric hospital. He was given electroshock therapy to treat his depression, but it seemed to have no effect. When he was released from the hospital, his parents said that he could not live with them anymore. They were, I guess, sick of his issues. Um, How old was he at this point? This was in 72. And when did I say he was born? 52. So he's 20. So he's quite That's young. pretty young. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Donald then got two jobs at two hospitals and he had two relationships with men where he mostly lived with them. And during this time, he didn't kill anyone in either hospital. Interesting. Um, so what did I, what do I have here? So I think that from age 19, when he left Marymount and didn't kill anyone else, and he tried to admit to his crimes and enter different fields, the Air Force, for example, um, and he tried to kill himself multiple times. It kind of seems like he was trying to stop himself. Right. And I don't know how else you would see that, like, and how good of a job he did, like how committed he was to stopping himself. I don't know. Um yeah. But it does seem like he was making an attempt to stop himself from killing people. Um, I agree. It does seem like it, yeah. And it seems like he did feel a very strong urge to keep to to kill people. And like, yeah, he was trying to stop, but it didn't really work. And how much of that is like, oh, it didn't work. And how much of that is like he didn't really want to stop. That's up to. Like, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I, I don't know how you determine that. I can't relate to the feeling of having an urge to kill people. Like, I, I don't know how that would feel. No. And it's I think it's one of those things. Um, It's like there's certain and you see this with a lot of like serial killers or people with like, you know, pedophilic tendencies or whatever. It's like those are clearly like things that you don't want to you shouldn't like there's strong. um the strong societal incentives to not do that you don't yeah. want to kill people you, you don't know want to, it's like, wrong abuse children you most know it's people wrong. do yeah um but it's like how strong are those urges that's what makes people commit those acts i don't know it's like hard to it's very must be a very individual thing to determine how strong those urges are i don't know it's I, again like you said i can't relate to that feeling so it's hard to know yeah So Donald moved back to Cincinnati, Ohio in September of 1975. He got a job working nights at a VA medical center, which is like a veteran medical center. Yeah. Um, He had all of his regular duties, but he also um, was made the morgue assistant, which he fucking loved. I'm sure. (laughs) And he continued to learn all about how dead bodies presented and get really into that kind of thing. I mean, that is probably really interesting. No, it's totally interesting, but he's, doing it for nefarious reasons right donald also joined some sort of occult group 
and this group was interested in yeah like the dark arts and like weird occult stuff um and it apparently required some sort of initiation like some sort of like sexual initiation with a woman and like you're supposed to be it was supposed to be for like married couples um i want to know more about this group (laughs) why because you think it sounds cool no, like it's. I think I wouldn't want to join it, but it sounds like I would just feel like it'd be interesting to know. About. Yeah, it sounds. I don't like. It's very unclear, like what exactly it was, but it was like some sort of like. like it's, it's like where, some sort of like satanic cult. Yeah, but it's like where do you connect with a satanic cult? Like, how are you meeting these people and how? Like the internet. Yeah, yeah I don't know where. And this is the '70s, so it's like yeah, there's, there's no, no internet. internet. I don't know where he just like stumbled upon these people. But, yeah, exactly. Like, how but do you I get think- involved with that. I was reading, like I, I was um, reading a bit about this through John, John Douglas, and he, he kind of figured that this was like another place that Donald was trying to take his like weird urges and like get them to take them out somewhere where he didn't have to like another way. That's yeah, exactly. You know, like he's like he's clearly trying to like try all these different things to like keep him away from the hospital in a way. I wonder if there would sense. be a way to overcome those urges, you know, like, I wonder well, if it that depends is on like what the urges are, like yeah. what you're like, say that you have some like weird sexual fetish. Like, as I said, I've been looking into BTK a lot and like, he's like into like binding, like being bound and like binding other people. But like, he did not have the equipment to find a woman who is like into that sort of shit. And maybe if he could, yeah. then he could have like, just had a time in a consensual BDSM community. It's true. But like he was so shitty with women and such a loser that like he the only he only felt he could do it to people who were unwilling, basically. Yeah. And he might have been into that aspect of it too. But this seems to be like you like to murder people. So I don't know where you do that consensually. Like, yeah, but not, not even like not even like finding an outlet for it that's the exact same thing, but finding a surrogate behavior that would like fulfill that. You yeah, and I, mean? I it seems like that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. Like he tries to enter the military. Maybe he thinks that he'll be able to like feel powerful You're by right. doing that. Tries to enter this like satanic cult. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what okay. the rationale there is, but like, yeah. it's something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, um, so I. What am I saying here? Over the next ten years, while working at the VA hospital, Donald killed at least fifteen more people despite his joining the occult group. Not so um, He did a lot of his older methods, the suffocating and the oxygen tank stuff, but he also started poisoning people's food with rat poison and injecting people with cyanide. That's so scary. And where is he getting that stuff? Well, I guess rat poison is probably From easy the hospital. to get. Oh. Um, he also started using arsenic. Now, cyanide was used in hospitals for a lot of like real reasons, it, oh. um, but it's also a very effective poison. Yeah. I only know it as a poison. It has like benefits, like yeah, maybe in has, small doses. Yeah. Um, and so Donald started collecting it in very small amounts by stealing from the hospital supply, which is something you could not get away with now, or like you'd have to try like be way more sneaky than Donald was because now everything's documented and like digital. It's like, good. You know, that is good. Um, Eventually, he had collected about 30 pounds of it at home, mm. which sounds <laughs> like a, like a lot, lot to yeah. me. During this time, Donald also made his first move at harming somebody outside of a hospital setting. Oh, wow. Donald was dating a man. Um, and I, I think this might be the same guy. Yeah, I think this. Uh, no, this is not the same guy because the other guy died. 
Anyway, Donald was dating a man, and the two argued a lot. So Donald started poisoning oh. his food with arsenic. Oh, my God. Not enough to kill him, just enough to make him sick. Um, so, now, so sadistic. Yeah. So um, John Douglas noted that this is a very important step for Donald because it started – uh, it, st- it started to him going outside of his comfort zone, which was the hospital setting. Yeah, because he knows he's not going to get caught there. Yes. Donald knew his way around the hospital setting, and he'd studied multiple institutions okay. at this point, um, multiple administrative teams. He'd used so many different methods. He was like an expert in killing people in a hospital. But killing yeah. people outside of a hospital shows that he's starting to escalate. It means his pool of victims is growing exponentially. And it's a very scary idea for anybody around him. Yeah. In 1980, Donald began dating a man named Carl Howeller. And at some point in the relationship, Donald learned that Carl was a apparently picking up local men at the park on Mondays specifically. Okay. Donald was not having any of this. So he started poisoning Carl's food every Sunday night so that he would be sick every Monday. Wow. He wouldn't be able to like flirt with guys on Monday. There was also a neighbor of his, a woman who Donald suspected was trying to break up his relationship. And he thought that she was spreading rumors that Donald was cheating on Carl. Other than that, Donald later said that he liked her and thought that she was really nice most of the time. But he started poisoning her with acrylic acid. And when he found that that wasn't working, he tried infecting her with the AIDS virus, which he somehow got a live sample of from work. How? I have no idea. But this is confirmed. When that brilliant plan didn't work, he infected her with hepatitis B using some sort of serum. It's crazy how much he like thinks outside the box to do these things. Yeah, he like loves getting creative. Yeah, this is like a bad outlet for his creativity. Yeah, and the, this hepatitis B situation made her very sick and she did end up going to the hospital, but she did recover and That's nobody crazy. ever suspected foul play. I mean, why would you? Who would do that to somebody? I know it's like you would ne- it would never be your like first, second, third, or fourth guess. Like, no, hmm, how did this happen? Yeah. Then there was another neighbor, a woman named Helen Metzger, and Donald claims that Carl had stolen a hundred thousand dollars from her, and she was God. going to go to the cops. And of course, Donald would not have this, so he gave her a jar of mayonnaise and a pie, both laced with arsenic. She got super sick and became partially paralyzed and required a tracheotomy to breathe before she eventually passed away. So, so that is a slow and painful death. Yeah. Medical professionals. It's, it's something that he's done multiple times. Like he clearly does it that way on purpose. Yes. So medical professionals attributed her symptoms at the time um, and her death to Guillain-Barre syndrome, okay. which is a disease that and like can end up paralyzing you. I mean, they just have to guess point. what it is, really. Yeah. So. Um, and Donald got away with that too. And Donald was a pallbearer at her funeral. Oh my God. The yeah. audacity. Yes. Um, he started poisoning a lot of people in his life who annoyed him. Uh, he started <laughs> people just like, who annoy him. He like... just started getting super liberal with the poisonings. Wow. Um, there he was... has so much of it, Madison. Like he's got 30 so pounds. I think Noah yeah. is like j- just hit 30 pounds. Oh, <laughs> that's like that's, that's a lot. Yeah, that is arsenic. A lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, so Carl's father, um, Donald was annoyed with him. So Donald poisoned him with arsenic. 
And then when he was sent to the hospital for a stroke, Donald went in to visit him there and poisoned his pudding and he died. Up. He poisoned Carl's mother as well, but that did kill and her. And no, nobody's noticing that all these people are just getting poisoned. No, nope. poison is also didn't. a smart way to kill. Like that's a smart way to do it too, because they could be sick. Like none it's not them, just like you're yeah, stabbing them. None of them that like they none of them had autopsies. He went to the Donald's mm. father was there for a stroke and died, right. and he was an old man. I mean, he knows when he can get away with it. Yeah, and arsenic, if you're not checking for arsenic, you're not going to find no, it, why? especially yeah. if you don't get an autopsy. Right. Which a lot of these people just didn't get autopsies. Scary. Um, Carl was getting annoyed with Donald's mood, str- mood swings and erratic behavior, and he was he was not aware of all the murdering, but he finally asked Donald to move out. Pissed off about this, Donald tried for the next two years to poison Carl, but was unsuccessful. Oh, lucky. Lucky Carl. Yeah. Donald killed a few more people outside of the hospital, including some exes, that guy who he was in a relationship with for 15 years on and off. I don't know this when so he many people killed him, but he did. Um, someone who Carl had been fighting with. And Donald was promoted to morgue supervisor at this time. And on top of that, he also joined some sort of Nazi group. Oh. Donald claimed that he was not sympathetic to the Nazis, but that he was doing some sort of reconnaissance mission on the inside so that he could attempt to bring them down. Okay. Very random. But I think this is kind of like the occult group. Like he's just, he's like, okay, I got to do, like, how am I going to get out? Like, I guess he really wants to belong, but he's like picking the, like, kind of the worst places. Yeah. And I don't know, like, what choices he has. Like, I don't know. And also, don't Nazis hate gay people? I feel like they do. Yes. Well, and he's constantly putting himself, like, he's, he's just like a gay man, probably closeted. He's working at a Catholic hospital with all these nuns who are loving him probably because they don't know he's gay. Then he gets himself into like a very heterosexual satanic occult group. (laughs) He goes to the air force. Like this is is a don't ask, don't tell time. So I guess he does have like, I mean, I'm sure he must have all these repressed feelings about issues. And I'm, I I almost wonder if like, he's got some sort of, thing where he like he kind of like enjoys the like like because in all these situations too like at the air force he had a relationship with a man so like that must have been a secret relationship right maybe he likes the like sneaking around part and like maybe yeah. that is like an exciting thing to him he likes maybe, maybe he maybe, like yeah likes maybe it's like a kind of masochistic thing of his yeah I don't know. like who knows um, but it could, it's kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in 1985, there was an incident. Oh. Some security guards at the hospital felt Donald was acting suspiciously and they demanded yes. to search his bag. And in the bag, they found needles, rubber gloves, scissors, drug paraphernalia, a 38 caliber handgun. Oh, some- why do you have that? Some occult book and a book. <laughs> occult book. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. Probably the, the Satanic Bible or whatever. Um, yeah. And a book on the serial killer Charles Sobrage. Oh, you and him could have had a nice discussion about that. <laughs> uh, He's the only person who's heard of Charles Sobrage other than you. <laughs> yeah, well, it was in the seven. It was in the eighties, so like it was much more like yeah prominent at the time that is somebody else who did medical stuff but to himself not actually no he poisoned a lot of people too yeah he did but the the medical stuff he would be somebody to learn from if you're poisoning people yeah he was good at it yeah 
So this was a pretty like suspicious mix of items. So they also decided to search Donald's locker where they found a human liver sample. And they're Your like, God, why? Why do you Why are you keeping it in there? Like, keep it somewhere else. In your else. locker. I know. Like, so creepy. That's not hidden enough. Everyone's just like putting their stuff in their lockers and that's what he has in there. Yeah. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, okay, this is where Donald gets taken down. And you people are wrong. What? There was a pathetic little investigation, but since the hospital didn't want to make a huge public stink, they fined Donald $50 for the firearm. I mean, and then they let him quietly resign and fuck off and nothing was added to his criminal record. Nobody Uh, looked into any of his past offenses. And so Donald just packed up found a new hospital job seven months yeah. later it's like guys think about the future people that he's gonna murder like you don't want to make a big deal out of it what about the next hospital he works at well yeah so that's the problem with and i'm sure i think that it must be like a, a bigger problem with private hospitals where like your reputation really counts for things and you it don't should. want people to think like oh i've got somebody oh somebody fucking around here so yeah. you're just like okay just just go away not good no so in february of 1986 donald got a part-time job as a nurse's aide at daniel drake memorial hospital in cincinnati ohio okay nobody there asked him anything about his old job or why he left and he was free to continue doing his thing it was not long before daniel killed his first drake hospital patient a man named nathaniel watson nathaniel was in a semi-coma and donald smothered him with a garbage can liner it was only four days later that donald killed another patient in the exact same manner four days wow four days and then he poisoned two more people over the next 10 months donald killed at least 21 more people mostly this is so many people how many people is this by now high kill count I don't know how many at this point because, like, I, I'm not it's even going to be like the fifty, especially like, like as I was saying, like you know, outside of the hospital, it's like anyone who annoyed him. He was, just, and I don't know who all of them are. Anybody who annoyed him, I'll give you some rougher estimates later. Um, okay. So things in Donald's personal life also took a pretty steep dive downhill. Yeah. Carl and him had been on and off on and off again, and it seemed like it had finally ended for good. Donald started seeing a therapist for his depression, and then he tried to kill himself one more time by driving his car off a mountain road. Wow, that didn't kill him? Nope. He did not die, but he suffered uh, some head injuries. Oh, God, the last thing he needs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. More blows to the head. Donald was back at work, and he made his next kill, 44-year-old John Powell. Now. John was in a motorcycle accident and he was not wearing a helmet. And uh, so that's why he was in the hospital. And he had made a few small signs that he might recover, but he was in very bad shape. So when he died, suddenly nobody thought anything of it. Yeah. But one thing very different about John's case, there was a policy in the Hamilton County where every motorcycle accident victim got an autopsy to determine the exact cause of death. Probably because motorcycle accidents are like, like driving a motorcycle is really dangerous oh my god yes it's so scary um when the coroner opened up and especially without a helmet my god yeah when the coroner opened up john's body a powerful odor of bitter almonds assaulted him in the face it was the undeniable smell of cyanide 
Wow. And fun fact, about one in four people are not able to smell the scent of cyanide. And I've heard a number of different, I've heard that like it was, it's a much smaller percentage who, who can smell Interesting. the smell of burnt almonds or whatever, but some people can't basically. Good thing very, this person could. Yes. Luckily, Dr. Lee Lehman had the ability to smell it or it never would have been detected or checked for. So Dr. Lee Lehman went right to the police Good. and it did not take long for the investigation to get to Donald Harvey. They started investigating all the staff at the hospital and everybody was like, they're they were polygraphing everybody. And everyone was like, yeah, for sure. Donald initially said he would after researching how to beat a polygraph. And the day he was supposed to t- take it, he called in sick. And this was very suspicious. And he was the only one who was trying to get out of it. So he was taken in for questioning. During the questioning, Donald admitted to putting cyanide in Donald in uh, John Powell's gastric tube. He claimed that he felt bad for John and didn't want to see him suffer. A no, mercy killing, come on, if you will. Upon his confession, it's like it, that's not your decision to make. No, <laughs> like, yeah, you that's, can't just, that's not an excuse. Like you don't have no, no. But that's and that's where you see Stop. like this is like the very narcissistic like justifying thing. Yeah. So after his confession, detectives got a search warrant for Donald's home and they found a bunch of arsenic, cyanide, books on poisons, and his diary, which contained details on how he <laughs> killed John Powell, which yes. so, shockingly didn't seem to have any other confessions besides John oh, Powell. Oh, interesting. Because I feel like keeping a diary, it's like you're not going to be lying in your diary. So, no. Um, Donald was indicted for murder in the first degree on April 6th, 1987. Mm-hmm. Donald and his lawyer filed a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity, and he was held on a $200,000 bond. But then they started investigating further, and it was looking like there may be more victims. Donald's lawyer saw the writing on the wall and wanted to get ahead of it. He asked Donald up to be upfront with him and tell him how many people he had killed. And when Donald said he didn't quite know, his lawyer was like, come on, man, we need to get ahead of this. And Donald was like, well, I could give you an estimate. And his lawyer was like, wait, holy shit, you don't know because there are so many. Holy shit. So Donald admitted to killing so 33 people. Investigators why were blown away. It's more away. than that. It's more than that. Oh, we'll get there. Oh, my God. Um, That's already so many, but. Yeah. So investigators were like, what the fuck? And he was quite candid and detailed in his confessions, as I told you earlier. Initially, they were very skeptical about some of the things that he was saying. But after exhuming a number of bodies and performing autopsies, they realized that everything that he said, they were able to corroborate and it was checked out and they did not catch him lying about anything. And he like wow. he made. A yeah, you mentioned that you mentioned that. Obviously, they could not look into every little thing, but the things that they could, they found to be credible now. And I think the whole thing about him admitting to killing 33 people like I, I, I think he knows he killed more than that. But I think he probably worked things out with his lawyer and was like, okay, we'll confess these ones because there's evidence for this. And this is like what I can prove kind of thing. I don't know. Right. Um, so on August 19th, 1987, Donald pled guilty to 24 counts of aggravated murder and four counts of mm. attempted murder and one count of Hey, what's the difference between assault. aggravated and just murder? Uh, I think aggravated murder is just murder. Okay. And attempted murder is when they don't die. So aggravated murder is a more serious charge than murder because it occurs when somebody kills another person while in prison or while committing, attempting to commit or fleeing after committing a crime such as rape, kidnapping, trespassing, or burglary. 
Okay. So there's just like extenuating circumstances, basically. Okay. Yeah, it's just like under specific circumstances. He got four consecutive sentences of 20 years to life and $270,000 in fines. On September 7th, 1987, Donald was indicted in Kentucky where he confessed to murdering 12 people at Marymount Hospital. He pleaded guilty in November of that year and was sentenced to eight life terms plus 20 years. Good. In February of 1988, Donald pled guilty on three additional murders in Cincinnati and three attempted murders, and he got three more life sentences plus three terms of seven to 25 years. Everything he didn't get charged for just didn't have enough. They didn't have enough evidence. Most people, including his lawyer, think he murdered as many as 70 people. Wow. But there are even some people who who uh, have investigated the case and believe that it is much higher. I heard one higher guy. Than that? Yeah. One guy uh, believes it's somewhere in like the 120 range. That's like one. in so one, scary. Uh, how, how I know I keep asking you, but how big of a time period was this in? Um, so his last conviction was 1988 and his first murder, I think was 1970. Okay. So he was at it for a while. Yeah. Like, I think most people, their crimes are in a shorter span before they get caught. Yes. He was able to get away with this for a very long time. It's terrifying. Yeah. Um, many years after his incarceration in the two thousands at some point, John Douglas was presented with the opportunity. I think it was 20, 2008 to interview Donald Harvey in prison for a TV show. The interview okay. and Douglas's analysis of that interview are super interesting in that interview. Mm. Donald is very chill, smiley, calm and polite. Mm. He talked very openly about his murders, but throughout the whole thing, he kept everything super surface level, never showing any vulnerability, remorse or introspection. And here I'm going to start to show you, get ready with the clips and okay. it'll be in for people to see, especially if you're watching on YouTube. Okay. So um, Donald clearly holds on to the idea, get ready with clip number one. I'm ready. Donald clearly holds on to the idea that he was performing mercy killings on his victims. Most oh, of them he claimed wanted to die, but just didn't have anyone to advocate for him. And watch clip number one. So you would, you would consider those mercy, mercy killings? Some of them had been in comas for many, many, well, semi-comas, in and out. Didn't know nothing. What I was doing, I thought was right. And the patients that I took care of, I like to thank you know, I made their passing easy. They didn't give me permission, no. But some of the patients didn't have no one to give permission for them. They didn't have a choice, and sometimes there was no family there to make that choice for them. And I made it for them. I was being the judge and the jury and executioner. Patients may have had a month to six months to live. And they were mostly put there just to uh, die. The families, instead of sending them to a nursing home, they put them, in the, put them there. Or if they had no family, the county or whatever would put them there. Those are a lot of the type of patients that I uh, terminated. Well, do you consider them victims, by the way? The, the patients? No, I don't consider them. They were my patients. I never looked at it as murder till I was actually arrested. I always looked at it as mercy. You know, right. today, you know, they have the hospice units and that's assisted suicide, but it's with the person's... Uh, making a choice. Yeah, making a choice. Right. These, these, these people never had, had a choice. He's yeah. so creepy. It's like, like, 
that least, doesn't yeah. explain it. And you murdered people outside of the hospital too. So like, and he's like, yeah, but they, they have the hospices now. It's like, yeah, but they, that's like a choice thing. It's like, which is like a huge difference, like a massive, yeah. like makes all the difference in the world. It's not like, just like it's a not little... a mercy killing when you make the decision for them. Yeah, and he just like it's like oh yeah, so well now technically it's their choice. Like that is there's there that's, that's the whole the difference thing that matters between murder yeah. and not murder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but not like, an excuse, dude. Yeah, like as you can see, he's like he's just like a soft-spoken kind of southern gentleman yeah, kind of guy. It, he has a really soft voice, and that's creepy. Knowing what he did, yeah, right. Because like you um, know how in in hospitals, like you think of nurses as like having like gentle voices. Like he yeah. probably talked to people that way, and that's why they're like, yeah, you're just a regular like. If you, know, you did not know guy. anything about this guy, you'd be like, oh, he's a great. He's like, oh. I'd love to have him as my orderly. So then he starts, um, yeah, so he sets up this narrative that he's, like, mercy killing, and and John Douglas is like, okay, yeah, but what about all this other shit? And then mm-hmm. then he starts with his excuses, so roll clip number two. Okay. But they weren't all, um, they weren't all no, mercy. they weren't all. All mercy. No. Now, the first death will occur at about 18 years of age with you. Can you tell me about that, uh, how that happened? Just one guy, yeah. Uh, He'd had a stroke. He had an IV in, and he got the IV out, and the sister told me to go and clean up the bed and change the IV, take it out because it was empty. And when I went to pull back the sheet, he covered me in stool. It was in his hand, and I smothered him to death. How, how did you do that? With a pillow. I wasn't going to take any more. I mean, I'd had enough. and. When he put the stool in my face was the breaking point. You said you believe that? That's what happened. It started me on the roller coaster, which I couldn't get off. I don't know if I buy that. So it's so interesting because John Douglas goes on to talk about that specific, like that specific excuse where he was like, it set me on a roller coaster, which I couldn't get off. And he's like, I'm pretty sure that one therapist probably told him that. And he's just like stuck on to that idea and i think i mean it's partially, an excuse that it's an excuse that makes him not responsible it's like oh i got well, stuck exactly. on a roller coaster and i think like it's partially probably comes from like a truthful situation i think that probably like it was that instance that like made him super mad and like that's where he did kill somebody and like yeah. it did lead to him doing that kind of thing but he he whereas some people see it as like okay this was like the inciting incident he sees it as like well that justifies my actions like he set me off it's his fault and like i just got on this roller coaster and it's like it's like he's a hospital and it's like he's a hospital patient like he didn't it's not like he's like trying to wrong you no it's like you know that's part of the job it's a very unfortunate part and like that yeah you you know maybe you go to the fun but maybe you go to the hospital and like you know get I don't know. You deal with that situation as you deal with it, but it's not, it's not an excuse to be murdering people. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so then John asked him about the guy who he shoved the coat hanger through the catheter to kill him. Okay. Um, Yeah. Tell, tell me, explain to me how that was intended to be merciful in any type of way. Well, go roll on clip number three. God, I actually don't like, I don't know what he could possibly say. And so you, you went in there, you gave him the catheter, and then you straightened out a coat hanger. You, you ran that baby right through there, right into, I guess, two feet or so into his intestines. Because he didn't cause him to have uh, peritonitis. Peritonitis, right. He died a couple of days, couple later. days later. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I shouldn't have been allowed around that patient again. 
that was poor security on the, the hospital's part. I mean, you've eaten me up today and then I'm taking care of you tomorrow? Oh, I don't think so. That's called uh, projection. So it's, it's, like, it's like projection. Well, the hospital shouldn't have put me with this guy. And they probably shouldn't have, have done it, but, uh, but you blame more of the hospital. I mean, I got a pump not this big on my head. My ribs are bruised, and he poured urine on me, and he kicked me several times. He cold cocked me with that metal urinal. I should have never been allowed around the patient. They, they no, they're not, they're not responsible for the death part. They're responsible for his security. It's interesting because maybe he got triggered about being abused as a kid. And he's like, like the, uh, like somebody should have been there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's like, it's he, a much he's more... like this person abused me, even though it's like, this person's not abusing you necessarily, like intentionally the way that they did when they were like when you were younger, but it's like, I'm sure a part of him has that unresolved feeling of like, wow, I wish an adult was looking out for me. For sure. And that's like, for his childhood issues, absolutely a fair thing to say, like, yeah, but not in this situation. And this is where that like little bit of like narcissism and superiority comes from like they should not have let me like it's their fault it's absolutely not the responsibility and you know for a fact that like they don't have that type of security in place so and did you tell them that that happened i don't i don't know he's like i had this bump on my head and like i I shouldn't have never been allowed around him like okay well then you're admitting that you're so dangerous that you shouldn't have been allowed around this person like yeah and you're right you shouldn't have (laughs) it's very interesting that like you that he would like would just like be so bold as to say something like that and not think that everyone would be like um no you know like you like truly believe that that's like something that people will like be like oh yeah for sure yeah um john douglas felt that um donald presented a pretty classic case he figures that donald turned to killing out of like a deep feeling of inadequacy Killing vulnerable people was the only thing in his life that would make him feel powerful and important. I can see that because he loved to play God. And I think I'm sure like an element of it was sadistic. Like I suffered now. I want somebody else to. It's like an outlet for that. Yeah. And like um, he's like and you can see it in all of his like denials of everything. And like he's really hanging on like in that clip specifically is really hanging on to the the idea that the hospital bears some responsibility. He's really putting the responsibility on other people. That's interesting. I'm sure some of that actually is like it's not like it's not fair that he feels that way, but that's just a projection of how he feels towards authority. Yeah. And it's a defense mechanism. So yeah. He doesn't have to like admit and feel guilty. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very much like Charles Abraj. He's like, well, like, it's not my fault. It's the fault of everybody else. Right. Yeah. Um, and then this clip, I just found like this, this question and answer. Very interesting. Roll on okay. clip four. Number four. Okay. When, when you're in bed at nighttime or you're, you're alone, what kind of things do you think of? Do you ever think of the crimes that, that got you here? No. Any of that? What, what kind of things do you think of? I'm building a house, a log house right now, and I've built it two or three different ways. I'm on four bedrooms right now, but I've only got three baths. You're doing it in your mind? Yeah. Sometimes I write down stuff, and then maybe next year it'll be a different, a church or something different. Ooh, creepy. See, he, he, I think John Douglas in this whole interview tried a number of times to get him to like be vulnerable and open up and 
like it was you know go deeper yeah. and he just reflected it or deflected it every single opportunity like he's asked like what do you think when you're alone at night and he's like I just think about building a house in my head like that's so weird yeah and you it's definitely not true like yeah, there's no way but he's clearly trying like still like you're in prison for your life and you're still trying to pretend that like everything's fine and I'm just yeah guy. I mean at this point I feel like he just has no like like he has nothing to go for. Like what, why is he going to be admitting it to them? You yeah. Know? Whereas some people get into prison and like, like for example, um, the Iceman killer, like he got into prison and he's like, he, he's like, okay, well my life is pretty much over now. And just like fully admitted to everything. And like, yeah. And some know? people at that, that point, that's the only forget. Uh, so they're just like, I'll tell you everything. Yeah, which that's another really good documentary is the Iceman Confessions. Yes, I remember. His, I think uh, I've seen that. Really, really good. Very interesting. I heard some people say that he was like lying in some of those. Richard Kuklinski. Yeah, it's probably the case, but uh, even it's it's not about. I think it's not necessarily about like taking what they're saying as word for word. It's true. just seeing it's, them talk and it's hearing what they have to say. And yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I would never trust like a serial killer is just like telling the truth. Right. It's like, what are they, right. how are they portraying things? Do you like clearly this guy, yeah. Donald Harvey is just saying what he wants you to think, but it's yes. then you're in, it's the analysis of other people like a John Douglas. That's so interesting. And like realizing w- what he's trying to get you to think. Right. Yeah. Um, and then roll on clip number five. This is just another interesting little, little tidbit. Okay. Wow. This is pretty fucked. I mean, I feel like he, like he seemed so self-aware, but now it's not, not looking like that. Do you consider yourself a sociopath? Well, that's what most people, that's what most people consider me. What do you think? Uh, I'm just Donald Harvey. I haven't changed a bit. I have been rehabilitated. I'm ready to go back to the streets. Ugh. Like, dude, nobody wants you in the streets. No. And it's sad because it's like, maybe if he grew up in a place that was accepting of him being gay, it could have been different. You know, like, it's like, he almost seems like a nice guy, but then it's like, no, no. And not not. only, and like, you're just like murdering anybody who just bothers you neighbors. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, I'm rehabilitated. Like, bitch, you're not. Like, did you hear a word you just said in this whole interview? Like, you just, like, lied and deflected the entire time. Yeah. You are not rehabilitated. You're still blaming the hospital for the most gruesome death you created. I'm sure he knows that, but he's just like, fuck this guy. Yeah. Like, what's the point of me talking to him? Yeah. And he just, like, has a little his little smile. And, like, he's, like, a cute little nice-looking man. That's the thing. Like, he almost seems so scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in March of 2017, Donald was murdered in prison by another inmate who beat him to death. He was 64 years old. Wow. And that is the story of Donald Harvey and his brutal murders. Was he murdered like he was targeted because of his crimes? I believe so. I don't, it's hard to know. Like nobody's like admitting to like doing it or why or whatever. Yeah. I guess they probably caught the guy who did it, but you know, prison murders are very sketchy generally. Yeah. I always wonder because I feel like in a lot of those cases, it's the person being targeted for their crimes, but sometimes it could just be something within the prison itself. Yeah. Especially because it was 2017 and he was um, 
originally imprisoned in like 85 or whatever. So he'd been so there he'd for been a long there, time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, and he never, know. he never came out and admitted anything else really. Like he just kind of stuck with that story. Um, I think he's like admitted to a proc, like his lawyer says that he's probably killed about 68, 70 people. Um, and I'm, so I'm sure like he's probably confessed to murders that like they couldn't prove that he did Definitely. and stuff like that. Like, um, but it's, there's, there's another guy that I was saying, there was a guy who thought it was in the hundreds, but is a guy named Jim Fisher, who's the author of forensics under fire, which I didn't really look into, but I heard him being interviewed somewhere. And he thinks the number is as could be as high as 130 people. That's insane. But I mean, I kind of believe it because he could do it so quickly and easily. And he was doing it sometimes four days apart. I mean, you have an unlimited access to vulnerable people to murder essentially. Yeah. And when, even when his lawyer started asking, like he didn't know how many people he had killed. He's like, would you take an estimate? Yeah. He, that's so crazy. many that he, um, he probably wasn't keeping count. Oh. Wow. So, you know, just be careful of the people that you meet in the hospital. Yeah. That's good advice. Them, tell them how loved you are and how many people care about you. Yeah, talk about all your friends. For an autopsy, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's pretty scary. Yeah, it's terrifying. And it's 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 like it's the older people who you you really worry about, the lonely people. Like this in in Canada there was a girl doing that in long-term care. I think her name was Elizabeth something. Where in Canada? I forget if it was Ontario or. Oh Canada. my god! I probably Ontario because like, fucking all the murderers are here. Wow, um, but yeah, it's interesting true. too because she was a lesbian and she was like a closeted lesbian or like her family rejected her or something like it was so wow. like her like sexuality had was I don't know how much it had to do with the murders or whatever but like it's yeah you know, a similar thing too. But this is a whole kind of. Um, like genre of killers is the like hospital like people For like sure. to call them angels of death and then some people yeah. have a problem with that name yeah I wouldn't use the word angel nice. yeah I don't think I'd use the word angel yeah and but it's it does seem it's I think the it's like it's a it's a god complex it's wanting to have power over people it's enjoying like it's a sadistic joy of, yes, yes or some you know getting some sort of it's a feeling of You're power right. from yeah taking people's lives and then all the like people that you let live and you help. Right. Yeah. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Cause that doesn't, doesn't generally come up cause you just talk about the people they murdered, but yeah. it's the whole game to these people. And there are people who are generally, I think have, um, who feel like shitty about aspects of their life, low self-esteem, whatever it is. And that's, that's, it's very easy to overpower very vulnerable people, you know? Right. People who murder children. That's pretty fucked up. I'm kind of not surprised I haven't heard about him. I feel like these types of murderers aren't as talked about. No, it's the kind of thing where it's like it would be really, really big at the time. Um, right. Especially or if in, you're the in the area. Yeah, yeah. There was, I heard another story of it. it was, there was this doctor who opened up a new practice in a new town or whatever. And at that, at her practice, there was like all these babies who were being, who started having these, like, they would be taken in and like have some like heart problem and have to be rushed off to the hospital and a lot of them died. And it turned out it was like a woman that she hired, one of the nurses That's who so was scary. like injecting them with something to, to, to make them sick so that she could save them. 
That's so scary. Babies are so vulnerable too. And they can't talk, obviously. Perfect victims. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. And people know that. That's the thing. Like, even if you're not fully in control of your actions and part of you feels bad about what you're doing, you still know who is vulnerable to you. That is the most like pathetic aspect of like a serial killer is like you go after vulnerable people because you're so pathetic. You can't you can't like go up against somebody your own size. So you have to pick out vulnerable people who, you know, you can overpower. Wow. And that's like what makes them such losers. And I think for him too, he probably internalized, like he had so much internalized homophobia where he's like, I'm weak. Like, cause you know, that's like the thing about like people say, like, if you're gay, like, that's the thing. It's like, you're not a man, you're weak, which is not true. And like gay people have been part of society forever. It's just like Western, you know, uh norms or whatever but he probably internalized that he was weak so he's like let me pick on the weakest people because that's what you do when you feel weak is you pick on someone weaker than you exactly and and also it's like he he's a smart person but he's just like never really tried very hard didn't finish high school right didn't like got a job at a factory whatever that didn't work out and now he's working as an orderly like cleaning up poop and pee and all this shit right right i'm sick of it but also, like, um, you, know, you, didn't, you could just you could have finished high school. You could have done something else. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't feel bad. I feel bad that he got um, abused sexually as a kid. abused as a child. Yeah, yeah that I sure. feel terrible. And the head injuries, like, that's really shitty. But um, I feel like the head injuries could have played a role. I I could see that for sure. It's it's yeah. un, like we will never know, but uh, it's it's very possible. They seem to they seem to be like pretty big head injuries. Yes, especially yes. for the age and for the age. And it's kind of like. If it affects your brain and your brain just doesn't develop right, maybe there is something physical that's just halting you from having a sense of morality. Yeah, for sure. Which is pretty scary too. Oh, what do you rate this? What would you rate this? Um, like honestly, like eight or nine for me. I really okay. like medical <laughs> hospitals. Underdoing it. No, no, like it's but it's specific because hospitals are like very scary to me. Specifically for this reason. And I've, I've already been afraid of this. And now I, it has confirmed that this happens often. Yeah. Just if you can help going up by yourself. That's don't, true. Don't go. By I by don't yourself. think I've ever gone by myself, but just like, it's what I said before. It's, it is partially irrational. Like just like the smell of like the clean hospital smell and all the like disposable stuff, like the napkins and like just everything about it creeps me out. Yeah. Like anything like yeah. because of the association with hospitals every time i go into a hospital i get this like oh well not anymore now that i've like had a lot of experience with all this fucking babies. yeah you're more but, used to it um before like every time i'd go into the hospital i'd just be like am i going to leave am i gonna go oh. and like that just creeped me out i would think the same to be honest so try to stay healthy out there <laughs> yeah and be very grateful for whatever health i've i've i'm very grateful for my pretty uneventful health history yeah you know definitely not everybody is so lucky yes so please everybody check us out on instagram on youtube please follow us on youtube subscribe to us that'd be great um and twitter at who's knocking podcast on instagram at who's knocking pod on twitter email us at hello at who's knocking podcast.com let us know if you have any really good true crime documentary 
yeah recommendations always looking but i've probably seen it but still interested maybe hannah hasn't no um be careful when you go to the hospital and just stay safe out there because you never know who's knocking goodbye this podcast is produced in collaboration with lost line media artwork by august digital music by matthew cook